0: Love Talk
1: Radio. It's April 29, 2018. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living, a radio show where progressives for change present opinions of matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Remember, good leadership is never about power and control but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership before we go into the announcements i'd like to say that yesterday saturday april 28th was workers memorial day the day that unions remember and revere those who have suffered and died on the job while we will have a little more on that in the show later, let us please now observe a moment of silence for all of our sister and brother workers who work for a living, who were fatally injured on the job in this past year and all previous years. Thank you for that moment of silence. Much appreciated. Um, our first announcement... <laughs> it's kind of related. That's unfortunate. Uh, the gruesome details regarding the death of Bohan Spra on March 28, 2018, at a BMW plant in South Carolina, a non union plant. I believe they actually voted the union down last year, as I recall. Those results and details were released last week. They were not pretty. Announcement two, Team Working for a Living continues to support support Medicare for everyone in the United States. Number three, we reiterate that workers at the moving company, two men in a truck, based in Lansing, Michigan, have announced their drive to join the Teamsters. Again, we wish you the best of luck in this endeavor. Number four, we continue to support the UAD. W-member graduate assistants at Columbia University during their planned six-day strike that began on April 24th. It's scheduled to end tomorrow. We'll be watching that closely. We congratulate both North and South Korea for ending their six-decade war and all those associated with making that happen. That's a pretty good thing. Families will be reunited and You know, lots of good things can come of that. Some 24,000, 25,000 U.S. troops have been there for six decades. That will cut the costs of those uh, as well. Uh, This just in, so that everybody knows, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Sunday opening was delayed by 30 minutes, reportedly due to technical difficulties. This could be the beginning of a very interesting week to come. You've heard us talk about how uh, this particular uh, point in time regarding our our stock market that's gone up some 300% since March 6th of 2009 from 6,668 up to 26,000 and something. And that's uh, just something to, to keep in mind uh, as this week unfolds, uh, we would expect this is going to be a very interesting week, and a start of it with this delayed opening of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, likely indicative of some things to come. So just keep that in mind. We're not soothsayers here, but we certainly know relative position and uh some other things, but just uh, keep that in mind. So email and messages and comments. Uh, We just had one big one, uh, basically uh, about last week's show, uh, many of these. Uh, uh, Thank you for your show covering the GM subsystems, LLC, and what that means to us workers, and from all over the country. We especially had a lot from Ohio and Michigan, so I want to thank all those uh, writers of the emails, comments, and some phone calls uh, on that particular issue. And thank you, thank the uh, uh, brothers and sisters that, uh, re- that reached out.
0: Uh, again, we'll
1: cover this de- last week's definitions one more time. NTC, National Training Center of the UAW, per- mostly associated with the UAW National Training Center. Uh, that's kind of important, uh, because a lot of stuff going on with that's been in the press Uh, The other thing that was new to most of us, uh, L-E-T-C, and that's a labor education training corporation, and those are likely largely associated with the UAW as well. Um, This week's quote, uh, let me just reiterate, those two definitions, we, we kept them here purposely this week. Because we we want you to understand when you see these things in the in the media or you hear us talking about them or somebody writing about them on social media or other places in comments or direct posts, um, uh, we uh, um, want you to know and understand what those are. The, you know the National Training Centers are you know basically centered uh, in Detroit on Walker Avenue. And the LETC, LETCs are in every state, all 50 states. So uh, everybody should know that those exist as well. I believe there's four in Michigan. Uh, we spoke in detail about one from New York last week where we can prove that the, uh, at least one sitting IEB member that says constantly that there's n- nothing else out there received in 2011 and 12, uh, almost in, in, uh, and in, on into the $30,000 level that is in addition to, uh, from a labor entity uh, that's domiciled in New York in, under the authority of region nine UAW, uh, received nearly 330,000 in '11, and in the mid 30,000s in 2012. So um, that's getting uh, a little, uh, you know, airtime here. That's provable. We gave you the documents on the web page, our companion page. So. If you have any questions, you can go there and, and look at those and see full well that this has been uh, done. And regardless of what they have to say or complain or gripe about, there's proof positive in those uh, uh, papers that were published on our doc, doc- .com last week. And, you know, anybody that's complaining or squealing, that's too bad that's too bad you shouldn't have done it you shouldn't have done it so uh, and you heard it here there's there's a few people that have that information and we give credit to all of those people that associated with it uh, and uh that this is uh, done in the dot com there we appreciate that so those people that dug it up especially to, to you know Change takes courage, but t- change also affects you in very negative ways. This isn't paranoia when people lose their ability, lose their ability to earn income. One brother, who actually worked uh, on the plant floor, attained his Ph.D. and has largely been blackballed from doing anything productive with his Ph.D., and that's very sad. So, uh, and that's a, as a result of probably a couple things that he reached out and tried to do the best thing in the interest of good unionism and members of the UAW, and it's been uh, attacked for that. And, you know, our, we extend our great appreciation for everything he and his colleague have done Uh, those two men just to say it on the radio show are Dr. Tom Adams PhD and Bill Skip Hanline who's made his life's work out of attempting to correct a lot of the injustices by the joint programs that he's perceived so thank you to both of those Also, their colleague, Dick Dangen, has been uh, instrumental in a lot of that as well. There's only a couple other people that had that information that uh, would not be uh, uh, happy to have their name associated out there. But those are the people that uh, really deserve credit. So thank you to all those people. Again, those two... uh, Acronyms are very important for you to understand. Those definitions for the acronym are important for you to understand a lot of what's been going on in the UAW. Okay, And by the way, the FBI is aware of all of that and the connection that we made on our show as we connected some dots or at least we, you know, have the uh, question about those dots and beyond our comprehension and our capability of knowing exactly, but they do know and they do have the ability and the FBI. So thank you uh, to them as well. We really appreciate that. Uh, next up is this week's quote. Uh, there's a, we'll start it off. There's a direct relationship between the ballot box and the bread box and what the unions and what unions and what the union fights for and wins at the bargaining table can be taken away at in the legislative halls. Okay. That's Walter Ruther at the UAW Constitutional Convention. Okay. So thank you. Uh, for all you did, Walter Ruther, and I hope that those uh, currently in office or aspiring to become leaders in our union uh, change their ways, or as they aspire to office, change the ways of the union to bring it more in line with what you, Walter Ruther, did for our union for decades. Thank you for everything you did. We know we you may not hear us, but you know, you're probably probably out there somewhere just watching. And uh if that's the case, and who who knows. Thanks for everything, brother. And let's keep up what he did. Let's keep up what he did. So, Let's bring on, um, brother Jeff Brown, uh, and uh, see how he's doing this week. Jeff, how you doing?
0: I'm okay, you Right, just a little sore from all the cold weather that hit, hit the area at the beginning of the week. Um, right now, I'm doing okay.
1: Oh, good. All right. Good. And I think that affected a lot of people. You know that we had that. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, that real heavy low front that came through. I mean, it just you could look at the clouds and just think, geez, what does that thing weigh? (laughs) So, yeah, it seemed to affect a lot of people. I've talked a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the last couple days have been nice around here. We've had some real sunny weather. It was cold yesterday uh, in the Michigan area and uh, warmed up a little in the evening, and then, uh it's been pleasant today, although around fifty fifty two somewhere in there sunny all day though it's just been a nice day so um, anything else on your end over there? No,
0: um, I guess I want to send a message out to uh Dennis Williams um, Mr. Williams, as useless as you are, um we sent you some documentation a few months back and we haven't heard from you. And with it being so close to the end of your term, I kind of doubt that you will respond to uh, the documentation that we sent you. You really need to get off your ass and uh, do your job. Um, We sent some very important uh, paperwork into you that you are delinquent in delivering an answer, any answer at all. So um, I guess what I want to say is get off your ass and address the issue. Um, That's all I want to say for now, Leroy.
1: Yeah, okay. I think if I'm uh, correct, uh, I believe this was sent in in the middle of December last year, and this is an item where uh it's uh, uh real important to have uh virtually immediate action on on this uh matter uh regarding uh election fraud is you know is that potential election fraud that you're talking about jeff
0: yes we sent it in uh around may tenth or december tenth
1: december tenth and and yeah. uh Uh, two Saturdays ago that you were told that they didn't know anything about it, I think. Is that correct? Yep,
0: that's correct. And we had
1: some other information regarding that. You you had your return receipt uh, for that Mm -hmm. green card. So this is getting long in the tooth. This is something that should have been addressed. I mean, you'd think 60, maybe 90 days, but Wow, this is uh, on 20 and 20, that's 140 days, uh, half a year. And there's staff assigned to taking care of this stuff, don't you think, Jeff?
0: Yes, there is. Uh, when we mailed it in December, we got a letter within days saying that they are in possession of the of the documents. And um, we still haven't heard of it.
1: Well, uh, I well,
0: know it's close it, to his retirement date But yeah. he's the membership again
1: Yeah, well So, well he might have another date There too uh, Besides retirement date There could be some other dates that Be significant emotional events in his life uh, I'm sure, sure the membership Will be mm-hmm. happy to see if, if there's a second date that he might have uh, And some others uh, Along the lines of our report last Last week uh, there right. Might be some other deadlines there for them. Uh, might take a while for those deadlines to manifest, but uh, wow! <laughs> so, but this is this is real important stuff. I mean, when when you are presented with something that uh, is is as clear as uh, what this information was regarding that, uh, you know, they haven't even started an investigation after 140 days. They just going to, you know, like, I mean, they stuck up for a known narcotics felon over three people trying to keep the union a good place. They stuck up for that person, the current International Executive Board did, as opposed to sticking yep. up for people trying to keep the union a good place. Now, here they are. we got another issue, and they seem to be sweeping that under the rug. Yeah. You know, they well let's say this they haven't acted on it in a, a uh, uh, responsible way and this is a serious Fine. issue okay right. I'm serious. I just want to I mean the members listeners need to kind of understand some of that uh, we don't want to be too cryptic with them but uh, they need to understand the current IEB is not doing their job they need to be mm-hmm. removed and replaced and this includes this includes every last one of them Every last one of them, because some of them have actually voted in the other issue to stick up for a convicted narcotics felon, barred from holding office, stick up for that person over the three people that stood up and said he shouldn't be holding office, trying to keep our union clean, to the point where they stripped membership. Rights away from those three people at the local and at the international. You all need to understand that, listeners. All right, so having said that, uh, anything else, Jeff, going on? Yeah, you, um, re- you, know, you know, when I
0: discussed this issue with. A person two weeks ago, We planned that you know, and rightfully so, that UAW does not need any more bad PR. Well, if he's listening tonight, you got a little bit more of a timeline. Um, be prepared for the possibility of some more bad PR. I'm um, not giving this up. Um, you know, just pathetic Now our leadership runs business. Well, I you know, know,
1: Jeff, if you don't want bad PR, stop doing bad things. I mean, this isn't something that's, you know, in your personal life or anything like that. We're not talking about you, you know, somebody fighting with their ex-wife or or, you know, anything like that. We're talking about doing the wrong thing in the union. And it's their job to do the right thing. They took an oath of office to do the right thing. You know? I mean, you know, when you look at the big picture of all of this, from down here where all the rest of us are, you know, actives and retired, they're attacking us in every way to their own benefit. So the leadership of the corporations and the leadership of our union, and we proved that last week, by the way, have a me, 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 me attitude. What's in it for me? How can I get more? And if we're correct in our suppositions from the last two shows, that is at the absolute disadvantages disadvantages of us the membership because monies are being taken and moved revenue being moved into Instruments for the benefit of corporate executives rather than flowing down through for us, the stakeholders. And that's got to stop. And it won't stop until we change the leadership. And you, the members, listening, and those of listeners who have influence with other people listening need to get with your delegates and tell them to read what was on our companion page last week and then you need to tell them also they should not be voting to return the Ruther caucus to leadership at all They don't deserve it. They have a me, 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 what's in it for me? They're sitting on corporate boards, drawing big money. Now or in the past. In addition to the union remuneration. So, it's wrong, Jeff. I'm glad you pointed out. It is
0: wrong. And 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 we found out this weekend. Um, I put it on our page, is that the uh, union, international union, agreed to a lower tier for um, the large town plant. That is despicable.
1: Um, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah, cover it. Yep. So. Good. Yeah. That's, that's uh, not I even a tier. There, that takes them off. Out underneath from underneath the umbrella agreement.
0: Exactly. Okay.
1: You know, that's exactly. And I've I've had conversations over the past year about that very issue, but uh, we'll get into that a little later. i just bring that up too. So, um. And, so you anything else that you want to bring up? That's pretty good. You're doing pretty
0: good. I you know I been in bed most of the last few days, but. Uh, I do get up and I do some research and I find things. And that's what I do best. I find things. And um some people at work the plant I work with, um, they know I'm somebody they can trust and come to for answers and solutions. So leadership should, should remember that. I'm an old dog so I don't I don't go away. I may be quiet for a couple months, but I don't go away. So I'm going to start my report, Leroy. Um, See how it Okay, seven go ahead. Five now, we'll yeah, what, what are we on? Again to refresh everybody. Article. Um, we are on Article 13, which is the duties of international officers. And I think I left off at Section 15. And some of them are long, some of them are short. Section 15: The International Secretary-Treasurer shall be the custodian of funds of this international union. She, she shall deposit significant funds into the international union in some responsible bank or banks to meet current obligations of the international union, and shall invest the remainder of the funds under procedures and standards. Determined from time to time by resolution of the International Executive Board. Section 16, the seal of the International Union shall, I think we did this one. Um, So, there are the following words, International Union, United Auto, automobile, aerospace, I'll give you this one. So, we'll go down to um, uh, 18, I think. I had it written down, Section 18, in International Secretary-Treasurer shall perform such other duties as our hearing provided for in this Constitution or may be assigned to the International Secretary-Treasurer by the International Executive Board. Section 19, when a local union has failed to report and pay the per capita tax as provided for herein, the International Secretary-Treasurer shall notify the local union president and board of trustees of that fact. Section 20. The International Secretary-Treasurer shall keep a list, complete record of the membership of the International Union. Such membership will record will be maintained in the union, local union information system, Lewis. Each local union will be provided with the access of the local union information system for the purpose of maintaining its membership records and for utilizing its membership information for all purposes allowed by this constitution. Section 21, the International Secretary-Treasurer shall, with the consent of the International executive Board, employ such assistance as may be necessary to conduct the affairs of his and her office. Section 22. International Secretary Treasurer shall issue a standard work permit card which shall be furnished to local unions at cost. Such work permits shall be canceled or renewed for 30 days following a date contained thereon. Charge of each work permit or renewal by the local union shall not be less than the amount of the monthly dues set by the local union. One half of which shall be paid is an international union It shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for the period of more than three executive months.
1: I think my local
0: has a problem with Section 22, Leroy. Right? Section Twenty Three. Uh, um, an international executive board member shall have direct supervision of her, all organized activities within the region from which he/she is elected. In cases geographical, geographical, yeah, district has more than one region. Board members, the board members' activities shall be confined in a de- definite area within his/her region which area shall be clearly identified by the International Executive Board. Section 24. The International Executive Board member's field of activities shall be limited to the workplaces within his or her region unless directed by other activities at the direction of the International Executive Board or the International President. Section 25. The International Executive Board member shall examine all contracts negotiated within his or her region before they are signed and submitted to the International Executive Board with his or her recommendation. Negotiated disputes with the bargaining committee wherever possible. To act to obtain favorable legislation for, for labor and work for the general welfare of the membership. Uh, I think we got a problem. My local Section 25-2. I would imagine some other locals are having the same problems. Last section, Section 26, where district councils are established within his or her region, the international executive board members shall attend their meetings when possible and work in cooperation with such councils. The International Executive Board member shall submit quarterly reports, organize organizational activity within his or her region to the International President and also to the International Board 15 days prior to the meeting of the quarterly meeting of the International Executive Board for its approval. That's it on Article 13, Leroy. Um, I think we have a problem with um, Section 22
1: and 25. Okay, why, why don't you talk about 25 first, and then let's get into 2022 20, as well, because okay. this is an epiphany for me. I tell you, I I guess you know I've read this thing time and time again, but this just hit me with something. If, you know, Sometimes you read these things until it comes up and slaps you in the head. Uh, but go with
0: 20, yes. 25 first, sir. 25, while we're going this. The International Executive Board member shall examine all contracts negotiated with, within her or his region before they are signed and submitted them to the International Executive Board with his or her recommendation. To negotiate disputes with the bargaining committees wherever possible act to obtain favorable registration for labor and the general welfare of its membership. Um, I had heard someone tell me this week that word on the shop floor at Flat Rocks is that an international representative has instructed the plant not to negotiate a local contract Current chairman. Um, and it's been almost two and a half years. We're still using the 2011 local agreement. And the same on the international are not getting involved in getting us, helping get us a, a local agreement. I don't think we are the only plant in the port system. It doesn't have a local agreement yet. And we, again, we can appoint the finger that the top leadership at the International in Detroit for failing to uphold the Constitution uh, to protect and make life better for the members. So that's what I got, Billy. On well, a shame that this is happening
1: yeah, yeah, that's not good that they, you know, if that's if it's true, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, they've said not to negotiate a local agreement. That's in direct violation of this here. So we, you know, we yeah. don't have, you know, more than just what's on the floor right now. Uh, you know, two and a half years and no contract—that says a lot. And this is going on in several local unions. This—I mean—we're eighteen months away from having a new one. Exactly. You know, having to it with one, right? Yeah.
0: Right. You know. And and
1: at That's Flat Rock. In. 12, Twelve and three, but fifteen or sixteen months. Yeah. So and, okay, what and about twenty
0: two? Go ahead. Go ahead, finish 22. out twenty five. Well, you got more on twenty five? Well I got something that deals with uh my plan. It's been mm-hmm. this week that Ford is going to only offer two automobile cars uh, by, night, by 2020, and the Mustang being one of them and the Focus being the other. Um, we have had in the past where my plant has only built one vehicle, and I have to tell everybody that plant cannot survive making just one vehicle these days. Um, I hope the Mustang is continuing to be made here in in Flat Rock because uh, all the other plants platforms are for SUVs and trucks. We are the only car maker in the Ford system. You also make the Lincoln MKS. That is going away,
1: I'm hearing. Um, that's what I got there, really. um, Yeah, there's some, you know, there's some folks that called over the week and had some comments about the uh, sedans no longer going to be produced in North America, um, but it didn't seem that they were going to be transferring them out. They're just not going to produce them. And the thought is that as gas prices continue to go up, I mean, I paid two ninety nine last night fell up. Uh, you know, and it's up substantially from the low two dollar ranges, but you know, between mm-hmm. you know two nineteen and, and two uh sixty ish that we've had for the last several years. Uh but they're going up. And you know, as things change, and nobody's a soothsayer here, but you're seeing all of the indications that things are changing right before your eyes uh, with some of these, you know, pricing and some numbers and stuff. Uh, As they change, the vehicles that are using a lot of gas are not going to be in as high demand and they might need those sedan-based vehicles or smaller frame vehicles. Um, And you know, things aren't always in a you know straight project, straight line projections. And a lot, back in the uh, mid '80s, I was in a class where the instructor talked about straight line projections and how they get uh, people in a lot of trouble when they do that, because the markets change. The markets change, and you need to change with them. And you know you've you've heard us talk about the small car the cruise at Lordstown, especially last uh, August in particular, where we said, you know you need to protect your your small car base because as the market turns when you get to the nader of the cycle, not the apex, nader's the bottom of a sine wave cycle uh that's where you have the big you know undulating wave uh of your economic cycle and we're at the top without question but we'll see another bottom and that's called an ADER an A-D-E-R and so you uh, you're going to have that and you do not want to be without a product we know the trucks are selling, the SUVs are selling but that's not always going to be the case so i going to keep that in mind over there Ford and FCA and General Motors as you move forward we know you have lots of big plans don't get caught up in straight line projections here okay that will get you in a lot of trouble okay so I'm just saying there okay anything else on 25 section
0: 25
1: yeah and that's it right awesome. hey, well we got For Section 22 you you roll that okay. out there you got issues with that, and I I do too. Go ahead.
0: The International Secretary-Treasurer shall issue a standard work permit card, which shall be furnished to all local unions at cost. Such work permits shall be canceled or renewed 30 days following the date contained thereon. The charge for each work permit are renewed by the local union shall not be less than the amount of monthly dues set by the local union, one half of which shall be paid to the international union, It shall be left to discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. Um. I'm a little confused on this one, Leroy. I'm not really sure what this work permit is, but if it's what I think it is, is giving somebody a special job, an offline job, and get paid by the local union or somehow. Uh, What's your take on this one?
1: Well, <laughs> we just might have found the golden Beebe to end for all time temporary workers as they currently exist. Pay attention to what I just mm-hmm. said end temporary workers as they currently re- exist period. Work permit card is a card that's not a membership card, but rather allows somebody to come in and work into the plant on a temporary basis. These were in the past issued to the summer students that would come in the facilities and work on the line or in some staff office. Management uh, personnel person. Well, if those people, I'm sorry, those people would not be issued a, a workers a permit work permit card. But anybody that worked in the hourly workforce were given a work permit card. These summer students, you've seen them in the plant over the years. You know, we have everybody wants a vacation. They the students in to cover this, and they pay them, you know, the 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 uh, rate. At that time, it was the eighty percent rate, you know. So it was substantially less than we got, but still, they got uh, uh, a nice, nice pay paycheck for summer work, and they're doing what we were doing, and they would do it for, for you know, a three-month summer period. Okay, and they would be get, they would be issued a work permit card for thirty days, and then they'd have to renew it every thirty days. And then at the end of 90s, this, this says, uh, in no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. Now, what's the advantage? What's the advantage to do this? It says here that 50% of the money, half of the money, will be paid to the international union. So half of the money from these work permits at, you know, union uh, two-and-a-half hours a month is going to the international. So there's an advantage to have work permits rather than regular membership card to the international. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Very very interesting. Uh this says a work permit given to somebody that's not a seniority employee seniority member may only be issued and then it expires it has to be renewed every 30 days but may not be issued to any period to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. That's 90 days, right? Oh, Dennis, you and Bob King and good old Gittlefinger have been breaking the Constitution again. Ah, so you either have to, after three months, by Constitution, make them a seniority employee, or they can no longer work in the plant with a work permit. Because all temporary workers are not issued a, a membership card until they're a seniority employee. They get a work permit. Oh my. Oh my. Well, let's look at the hey, let's look at the interpretations for that. What do you think, Jeff? Let's look at the interpretations. We just we might have just you 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 might have just uncovered the thing that needs to be done most, uh, Article right, Section Interpretation. Let's see if we have any anything there that just or that uh, goes there and says what we want. Uh, what we've just determined here. So let's see. Hmm. That's this is this is interesting stuff. All of a sudden, wow.
0: Yeah. It sounds. That's
1: you know, they are definitely interpretations. Yeah, I'm I'm looking too. So we'll we'll get here soon. I don't think there's an article thirteen. There's no interpretations for it.
0: What
1: that's about my the article.
0: I, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, we got to go go from it goes the interpretations go from eight to fourteen, and there's no no interpretations for article thirteen. So. Wow.
0: No, um, but there is something in um, Article 6 where it's Membership, Section 2, Honorary Membership. The Constitution makes no provision for honorary members. However, local unions can vote on such membership to persons who have rendered exceptional service either to the trade union movement generally or to the particular... Local union provided that the persons granted such honorary memberships are not already members of the UAW by so holding membership in some other UAW local. Um, but I don't think that's it. Now, no, the honorary
1: has, is something different than yeah. a work permit.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it's for temporary, temporary workers that are not members. Mm-hmm. All the temporary workers are not members yet, right?
0: Correct.
1: You know, they are paying dues. Yeah, well, that's what this... this work working, yeah, this is what the work permit... 40
0: a week. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The work permit is, is something that allows for them to pay dues and to work in the plant for 30 days at a time, but no more than 90 days, three, three months, three months at a time. So that could be 92 days, or I don't think there's any... No, there could be a, up to ninety-two days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no three-month period that has uh, in the calendar that has three thirty-one-month days in it. We have August and July, and of course, then
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, June or September on either side of that is a thirty days. So you could go ninety-two days, three consecutive months. Wow, as much as that. So. Interesting. Wow. I hope everybody's listening yeah. to this show. <laughs> I hope you um, tell your friends about it. Yeah. The tuition says you um, can't have an employee more than 30 de- 90 days, 30 days at a time, and that's a work permit for, for a non-seniority member. Wow. We well, might not have to go uh, to the court to do this. No. Huh? We, we just have, have to
0: enforce the existing constitution. What do yeah. you think, Jeff? I think there's some big football. Some... Oh, that's kind of cool. And we have we have temporary workers in my plant for the last three or four yeah. years, working every
1: day. Wow! Wow! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Some of them, some of these poor temper and they're treating them like dogs. I mean, they're worse than yeah. slaves. Of- people. I'm telling you, you know, go do this or you'll lose your job. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a wonder they don't have them going out and painting their houses. Maybe they do. You know, go wash my windows or you lose your job, just like back in the 30s.
0: Oh, yeah. That's happened in the last 30 years of my plan.
1: Good Lord. Well, these poor temporary, maybe we just saw that. It says, they have to send by constitution. They have to do something with them at at the end of three consecutive months. Yes. By constitution. So the contract needs to reflect the constitution.
0: Well, they have wow. to enforce the con- contract as well.
1: What I'm saying the contract has to reflect the constitution. Yes. The contracts are since 2007 when they started this temporary stuff are in Mm -hmm. direct conflict with the Constitution of the UAW as we read it here Article 13, Section 22 Well, hmm. since we just found out about this I suppose we have 60 days to bring it up
0: Yeah, in 60 days, we will have new leadership in some very high
1: places. Yeah, Yeah. we're going to have new leadership. Yep. Yes, we are. We're going to have new leadership. You watch and see. Uh, uh, While we're on the Constitution, in addition to your report on on Article 13, uh, it has come late last night, as a matter of fact, to my attention, that there's an uh, issue with Article 16, the collection of dues. I don't want to get into which local this is at, but it appears that management has failed to collect dues after they've been given a checkoff card for several years. Hmm. And now these people are being our members, brothers and sisters and brothers, are being asked uh, for that money. And it's management who did not do this. And, of course, the financial secretary treasurer of the local union has a responsibility to make sure everybody's dues are coming in double-check all the new people, make sure they're coming in properly as they get hired and of course, trustees have same responsibility. Correct. Now, it, whose whose problem is that is the question. So we're looking I into that. Say, Go ahead, Jeff.
0: I would say at first it shall be the local uh, financial secretary and the and the trustees on the executive board. From yeah. that, you know, they're supposed to be the first line know, in in the food chain. Okay. Yeah. If they're not doing their job. Right. Then they need to be removed as well.
1: Right. Well, we're we're opinion. we're looking into this. Um, we're we're gonna approach it from the following. Um, this was my direction last night. Uh, and there's one thing that I thought of today. So if you hear this, the person that reported this, if you hear this. Uh, uh, we'll add this element as well. Uh, but, you know, we need to take a look at if there's any um, past practice at any local. One, uh, let's see if management is culpability here and are responsible for not doing their job to the degree that it costs, costs them the money for failure to do their job on the checkoff. One, that's two. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a letter? won't get into the definition of a letter. Is there a letter that defines a look back period on collection of dues, how far back you can go in collecting those? There's letters out there that define a lot of things. Administrative letters from the president. Right. And, okay, you're familiar with those, and I don't want to be too cryptic yep. for the listeners. Uh, those yes, are there. I'm not and then and then we also are this is the element I didn't bring up last night. We're gonna do what's called shepherdizing of the federal law. That's shepherdizing means you're gonna look and see if there's any cases, federal cases that deal with this particular issue and if that case at federal that becomes case law. There's statutory law that's written in the books, and then there's case law. That's the judge you know, orders of a judge at some point. And those become law. And we'll see, we'll shepherdize this and see if there's anything uh, with regard to that because we want to do it right uh, and make sure that they do it right. Okay, so we're looking into it and we'll be giving you some direction on that, which way to go uh, and see uh, what what's fair, just, and proper. And it might just come down to you just have to pay it. But it seemed to me if somebody else didn't do it or do it properly that they have some liability here, too. So we're going to find out about all of that. And what is what is the look-back period if there is one? So just know that, you know, those are things that we're looking at. I'm not sure that the rest of the people that are out there talking loud and saying nothing would even know what we just talked about, but... Um, uh we that's how we approach problems here we're going to look at it and comprehensively uh vet this uh to see that it's uh properly uh done properly so uh, we will we'll find out for you those people listening know who you are and yes we know and we're working on it we'll get you an answer that's the best answer that we can find soon Thank you, sister, for that. Uh, you know sh- the sister that reported that just sent a message. and um, I'm pleased to uh, uh, see that that was uh, concurred with With this very brilliant uh, sister, uh, wonderful, wonderful sister that uh, has always been uh, supportive and uh, uh, won't say any more than that because I don't want to out her here <laughs> just yet. So uh, having said all of that, uh, do you have anything else uh, On that Jeff Anything constitution based Here tonight mm,
0: Not that I can think of right. Those are okay. very interesting Sections
1: Okay alright well um, we're, we're Right at an hour I'm going to cover A couple things we might not get to My entire report but we're going to We're going to get to as much as we Can and uh, we'll educate the members on some things here. You know, uh, want to talk about uh, the? Heck, uh, they go oh, here. It is. Uh, want to talk about uh, Workers' Memorial Day, 2018? Now, uh, you know, people are dying, and as somebody pointed out. To me, on the social media, the uh, members of the UAW page, people are being murdered in these plants through gross culpable mismanagement, criminal mismanagement, and those are his terms That's Dick Danchen. Uh you know, and he, uh, it, it is the season uh for uh, you know, us to all pause stop, pause and reflect, remember and revere the people who have been killed, even murdered through negligence on the on the plant floors or in the workplace somewhere. These aren't physical accidents all the time. Some of these are just uh, stress accidents me related to stress. Uh and there's some documents out there on these. There's a good book out there as well. Uh the name of that book and I actually have the uh the uh, review up here. But this is the book is Dying for a Paycheck by Jeffrey Piper. I know some pipers. Uh, so I'm not sure if they're related or not, but it, this is Jeffrey's related to them, but uh And the the byline on this is how modern management harms employee health and company performance and what we can do about it. This is is in Kindle form, and it's Kindle's uh, $14.99. Pretty good read, according to the review here. Uh, And uh, this, you know, you talked about a a number of things. uh, One, in the review here, they don't have to be physically dangerous jobs to confront a health-destroying, possibly life-threatening work- workplace. Just ask the manager in a senior finance role whose immense workload, once handled by several employees, required frequent all-nighters leading to alcohol and drug addiction. Okay. The story resulted in 60-pound weight gain and having no downtime to properly eat properly or exercise, and this became a problem for this this person. Now, he's a manager, but he still had a workplace injury, even though it wasn't a physical injury. And this this gets all covered in this book. Now, I haven't read it myself yet, but I've been recommended by Dick Dangin, and uh, uh, I'll uh, I'll take a look at it and see what. Um, but there's, you know, this whole notion of workplace injuries is not just physical. Sometimes they're more than that. So let me read you some highlights from the AFL-CIO article that they put out. And this is on our page, our .com page, and the link to the AFL page, there's two pages that, that cover some of this, okay? So I'm going to go through these. There's 14 of them. Uh, I will make sure I said 15 of them, Okay. Uh, So it says 150 workers die each day from hazardous working conditions. And these are worldwide numbers, uh, likely. Number two is 5,190 workers were killed on the job in the United States and an increase from 4,836 deaths in the previous year. Now, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit. Now, that's in the United States. These numbers are from two thousand sixteen. That's the latest data, even though this was the uh, re- all the report and uh, the remembrance in uh, april twenty eighth yesterday of uh, two thousand and eighteen. But this is still sixteen data. It's year and a half old, okay year and four months old. So the seventeen data will be available next year. so but let's just look at that from us in the Detroit three. And think about that. That's that's an increase of almost 300 deaths, 250 roughly deaths. And you kind of go, wow, 246 increase. Uh, you, you go, why is that? Why is it going up? Brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, you're doing more work. They're consolidating your job. It's no longer a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. This is work like a robot until you get hurt. We've had temporaries that worked like a robot until they got hurt and they got fired. Got fired. A temporary got several that I know and have been working with have been fired for getting hurt on the job. all the praise down there to Spring Hill, Tennessee, that's what you got to look forward to if you go down there and work in those jobs down there. Two of the people that I'm talking about are from Spring Hill, Tennessee work site. Yeah. The more you put on somebody's job, the greater potential for injury. The faster you make a fork truck driver drive a greater potential for injury. These are dangerous industrial jobs. And there is no place, no place for working at flank speed. For those of you in the Navy, which I'm not, you'll notice that is as fast as a ship can go. You can't do that all the time it needs to be an efficient method that is safe and we're going to be addressing that should we ascend the leadership like we expect to these jobs that they keep condensing into fewer and fewer workers doing the job is going to stop and begin to reverse to what's acceptable? Okay, that's why they increase here. Of, that's five percent increase. Unacceptable. Uh, number three. In addition, um, yeah. there's an additional fi- fifty to sixty thousand workers who've died from occupational diseases. Okay, for the fatality rate increase to 3.6 per 100,000 workers from 3.4 per 100,000 workers. That's what we just talked about a little bit. This isn't just in the Detroit 3. It's everywhere in manufacturing. And in the, the workplaces that are not tied to manufacturing, they're asking them to do more with less all the time. Teachers, casino workers, state workers, county, city workers, everybody's been asked to do more with less lately and it's going to stop it's got to stop it's gone too far five the service providing industries saw the largest increase in the fatality rate there you go service providing industries the rate declining in manufacturing and mining was unchanged in construction okay so manufacturing and mining they say it went down a little all industries that received the greatest oversight from OSHA or the mining safety health administration okay that's where the uh, the decreases came where they had the greatest oversight number 6 employers reported nearly 3.7 million work related injuries and illnesses those are those are called recordable accidents number uh, that was that was 6 rather 7 uh, under-reporting is widespread. The true toll of work-related in- injuries and illnesses is 7.4 million to 1. 11.1 million a year. That's how many that don't go reported. And we saw how early on in this administration they changed the law so that the reporting only has a very brief look-back time, six months, instead of for all time, so they can track these and address so OSHA can track these and address the real problem companies. So they, they've been handcuffed in that regard. That we report, we reported on back in uh, early seventeen. Okay. Eight the sites with the highest fatality rates are Wyoming, Alaska, Montana, South Dakota, and North Dakota. If you're from that state, you be be extra careful. Okay. Some oil re- Jobs up in North and South Dakota. Some obviously Alaska. Well, that's just a personal note. Uh, notice rather uh, nine workplace violence deaths increase significantly. Listen to that workplace violence by people who are out of control and have a problem with hostile work environment deaths have increased significantly 868 workers worker deaths caused by violence in 2016 made it the second leading cause of workplace death violence was responsible for more than 27,000 lost time injuries in addition to the deaths those happen from people who have a problem with Workplace violence. Hostile work environment. Hmm? Think about it. Think about it. Number 10. Regarding workplace violence. Women are at greater risk than men. They suffered two-thirds of the lost time injuries related to workplace violence. Number 11. There is no federal OSHA standard to protect workers from workplace violence. The Trump administration has, this is from the AFL-CIO, the Trump administration has sidelined an OSHA workplace violence standard. Hmm. I wonder why. Seriously, I wonder why. I mean, I'm not being critical of him personally on this issue, but why would they do that? him and the people around him. Why? Sideline and OSHA workplace violence standard. Think about that, what that means. And that two-thirds of the lost time injuries related to workplace violence are female-based against women. Wow. Okay, 12. Latino and immigrant workers' health, safety and health has improved, but the risk to these workers is still greater than the other workers. They're not, you know, these... Farm jobs are pretty pretty dangerous jobs, and that's where a lot of them are, it's, you know, heavy heavy uh, farming industries. So those Latino job immigrant workers' jobs, a lot of that. So just a matter of fact, not critical, just a matter of fact there. So 13, older workers are at high risk with 30, 36% of the worker fatalities occurring among those 55 or older. The industries with the most deaths were construction, transportation, agriculture, mining, and extraction. So those are among their extraction being the oil industry, I assume. So we, we talked about that in another one earlier. And then the last one, 15. The cost of job injuries and illnesses is enormous, estimated at 250 billion to 360 billion a year. Now they have some more stuff here. Uh, I'll just highlight one other thing from a different page and this page is referenced and that's linked in the in the, the line here. The budget for NIOSHA job safety research has been slashed by forty percent for fiscal year two thousand eighteen and two thousand nineteen. That's done by Congress and signed by the President. Okay. So here we are at eight eleven. Um you know, let me finish up with the uh, issue of the master agreement. And then there's there's some things that really need to come out about uh, Sister Estrada's visits to the facilities, and there's detailed reporting on that for Local 774 uh and i'll I'll just kind of wait for that to just come on out a little further uh we've already hit on her a little bit, but we'll get to that some more uh but let me talk about a master agreement you know, and it's been brought to my attention that a lot of the young people do not have ex- uh, any experiential knowledge about this, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through this you know, in some detail, but it's not hard to comprehend. I mean, this is, you know, this isn't rocket science for you, really. Um, You know, when this started, and up until just recently, in the last 18 years or so, um, we had the three master agreements in the Detroit Three. And that's one agreement for all facilities owned by that company. Okay? One agreement for all facilities owned by that company. And we'll use General Motors. Okay? General Motors owned... Let's see. uh, They had the Electromotive Division. That's a big... uh, 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 train engines, diesel engines. They call it Electromotive Division. And they made... Train engines, big things. Then they had the truck division, you know, large down to the small uh, pickup truck. Some, you know, the, you know, the S10 style pickup truck, the real small trucks. Colorado lately, I guess. Not sure if they still make those or or, or not. You know, they're the real small ones, but the big ones have become so popular. And then they had Cadillac, Oldsmobile, Buick. Pontiac, Chevrolet. I think that's it. And one master agreement essentially covered all of those. Each one had their own, because the SEC, Security Exchange Commission, came in and said, you are a monopoly, and you can't operate as a monopoly. And Congress came in and said a lot of that, too. They pushed that. You can't operate as a monopoly, so you have to treat each each entity separately. And they did, you know. They come under a lot of heat about, you know, being too too powerful. General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, same thing. But they they all had their little entities that they had to, you know, Lincoln and and uh, God, was well, he Mercury, that kind of thing. that Ford had, uh, and so, but you know, we just talk about GM. Okay.
0: Now they've
1: they've cut some of those divisions out. Uh, Electromotive, I think, has gone away. And, Of course, Pontiac's done. They still want to bring back some, you know, uh, sort of uh, uh, legacy vehicles like the GTO and produce that. Maybe we'll see. And Oldsmobile's been done away with. So you have, and they they put those in two separate divisions in '84 went back a little ways under what's called CPC and BOC. Buick Olds Cadillac and Chevrolet Pontiac Canada. Okay? So that's how that was structured in the General Motors entity. And somebody had a brain fart here about 20 years ago and they decided they're going to really outsource a lot of stuff. Okay? They no longer want it to be what's called vertically integrated that means everything done largely in-house, and they started spinning off a lot of this stuff into small companies. Many of these small companies owned by former executives from mid-level and high-level executives from the corporations, and then they got a bigger bite out for themselves. Somebody that was making two or three hundred thousand dollars all of a sudden started making three or four million. Carpenter Industries is one of those. I I know that Arlen Carpenter was a uh, GMI graduate, steam engineer, and he became uh, high level at uh, the plant where the sit-down strikes were at, and you all know that I hired in there. And so Arlen started Carpenter Industries in Fenton, and then expanded that to at least one other place in Traverse City, Michigan. So he's got two big facilities, and he was probably making today's equivalent of 300000 a year because he was well into the local level management, uh, probably as high as you can go with, I don't know that he ever got to plant manager, but he was right up there, staff level, well into the, st- un- unclassified. So uh, he, he owns Carpenter Industries, and get a lot of money for it, It used to all be done in-house. And what does that mean to us? If Carpenter Industries is unionized, and I'm not sure whether it is or not, if it is, that then causes the UAW to have to have another contract that we service we have to negotiate and service a separate contract. And this has been done hundreds of times. Small little companies pop up, largely owned by former executives of, at, at some level, and they're being given deference because they know all the players in the corporation. They have their little golf outings, and they snuggle up with one another and you know, whisper in one each 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 other's ears about what they're going to do next. It's causing our union to have to manage a lot of different contracts other than just the master agreement and the local union agreement. Okay? Now we have to have a separate agreement for a company unrelated unrelated to the General Motors Master Umbrella Agreement. Lots of them. And if you go back and read the Powell Memorandum, 1971, August 23, by Lewis Powell, two months later rewarded with a Supreme Court justice appointment for having written it, it attacks labor. And the Powellists that I coined the term Paulist, anybody that subscribes to that theory of attacking unions and working men and women is a Paulist. Well, they've been doing a real good job of it because our union was real strong when we had one master agreement. Now, the law has been changed. It's my understanding that the federal law has been changed where those Master agreements where you have an agreement that covers every facility in a company no longer can be done. You can only, you know, uh, organize at each location. And that's why you're seeing, you know, us attempt to organize different units from the same company in the south. Okay. So without the ability to have that very powerful master umbrella agreement over top of everything and watering that down hurts us as a union and ultimately either takes money directly out of your hands if you're under the master agreement or your job has been outsourced into a twelve or thirteen dollar an hour job at some job shop. Some pay a little more. Some do. As much as twenty. Twenty one. But not thirty. Thirty one. So then That's an issue of watering down the strength of our master agreement. Our numbers go down, and there's no banding together of these other small IPS locals. There's no banding together under a master agreement for them because that law has been rewritten. We're grandfathered in, in the Detroit Three. And corporations know if they cannot continue to chip away at our master agreement that eventually it will not have the strength to talk about. And this needs to stop. What just happened at Lordstown and Lake Orion and has already happened at Lansing Grand River GM Subsystems LLC being given work by the current administration of the International Union and jammed down the throat of the local unions. By the way, kudos, kudos to the chairperson at 1112 who's standing up against this right now. You brothers and sisters at 11, 12, he's doing the right thing. You stand behind your chairman. He's trying to stop what we're talking about here. As these jobs get outsourced, and yet another contract has to be negotiated and maintained with GM Subsystems LLC, waters down our master agreement. That's what made us strong. When we were a strong union, we had a master agreement we could always refer to and wave in the air, if you will, and grab a hold of something and pull it and spin it a little bit just when it get out of control so that it spun like a nice little top and everybody stood back and watched and said, oh, my God, I don't want to get in the way of that top. Yeah. Okay, you get that, right? It was real strong, and if we needed to, we could pull some levers and, and put a lot of pressure on a lot of people to make it right for our members. Now our leadership is giving away jobs to a GM subsystem. That waters down the master agreement even further. They don't understand what they're doing. They're, you know, somebody wrote me, Last week, and when the Lordstown stuff was going on, he says, "You know, we got to have some cooler heads here." I said, "Well, you know, what's your point?" Well, they could close that plant. Said, yes, they can, and they've closed lots of lots of them. When does it stop? And I told him, nobody wants to see this get out of control, but they need to understand the concessions are done. They've done too many, and they just simply need to stop. Now, I've got one other point with regard to the GM subsystems. Who owns GM subsystems? General Motors does. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of General Motors, LLC. It's the new General Motors since bankruptcy. Okay. My question over the past couple of years, you know, I, I've been around a long time. I know a lot of people. My question to some of the staff people who've been presidents of, of their in their own right, of local unions and currently on staff, or chairpersons of their own local union and currently on staff, and making some decisions, and some just, you know, they're they're doing. Uh, health and safety things, or uh, you know, outsourcing things, or whatever they're doing, you know, to try and maintain some kind of control. But if you're doing that, let's let's do it, and let's really maintain control with this. So, um, my question to them was, if these corp these companies are owned by General Motors, for example, why? aren't they under the master agreement as well? Why isn't GM subsystems not just a couple of paragraphs in the contract, but under the master agreement itself? Why isn't it there, just like everybody else, making the same wages, no half-wage jobs, no, you know, 1450, 15, 15, or whatever the, the three levels are. Why aren't you making tier one wages? Why aren't you making legacy wages under the master agreement? If General Motors owns those entities, or that entity, or any other entity, why aren't you making wages under a master agreement? and having remuneration under the master agreement, health care and other benefits. Now, the current leadership is not holding the corporation to account regarding the issues that I just mentioned. And they're buying into doing exactly what's been happening this past couple of weeks, outsourcing work to small job shops and to entities owned by the corporation that are paying half wage. And the current leadership of the UAW is allowing that to happen without regard to the master agreement being watered down or without regard to our agreement with General Motors covers every damn thing they own, period. With that said, um, <laughs> oh Lord, it's just ridiculous what they're doing to us. I have one more thing that I want to talk about. I I saw and commented on Sister Estrada's new uh, fair wage, full full wage, or whatever the initiative is. And I really didn't go around and take some pictures of the plasma centers, but the plasma center parking lots are full of our members walking in to give blood every other day to augment their income. And this is sad. So I'll be polling the leadership of Team Working for a Living and asking this question this week. And I'd like to ask... Not just the leadership, but you, the listeners and the membership, and those of you that are in unions or not in unions around the nation, to write in with your opinion on this. Because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of looking at people making $9 or $9.50 an hour. And there's a lot of things we can do at the national level. But let's just start with this little bite here. The hell with, the absolute hell with an increase in minimum wage. Because going to make minimum wage that you get a 10% increase on at three or four jobs is bullshit. Let's change the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1937 to say, the following overtime for 40 hours in any given week and add three words at any job you know what that means that means if you work 40 hours at your primary job during the day and somebody needs you to come to work for them at night You go to have a second job or a third job on the weekends. If you prove more than 40 hours, if you've already worked 40 hours, anybody that hires you to work beyond the original 40 hours, even if it's with another employer, they have to pay you time and a half. All of a sudden, your own employer will start paying you the overtime. You work one job. That'd be nice. If you people that are working two and three jobs suddenly work your 40 job during the week or whenever you're doing it, and then any other job that's beyond 40 hours that you prove, beyond 40 hours, they have to pay you time and a half. Okay? That's way better than an increase in the minimum wage now, isn't it? Suddenly, you're not going to get a 10% in, increase in your minimum, wa- minimum wage. You're going to get a 50% increase in any job you do over 40 hours. Think about it. Write in. Tell us your opinion. We'll be pulling the leadership to see what they have to say on the issue It came to me yesterday as I was thinking about it and talking to somebody that is working four jobs. For minimum wage. Just stand there and make you cry. Nine bucks an hour. And his wife's working. So, anyhow, uh, I'll finish up. More on Cindy Estrada next week. Uh, we didn't get to all of that. In fact, there's, it's probably not ripe yet because there's some stuff that needs to come out from that uh, person that's actually uh, wanting to put that out a little. But you got the flavor of it. There's some things going on. Uh, we'll just say this, that uh, using dues dollars to campaign is illegal walking around the plant with all the delegates to the convention. If they were on the clock, is a contribution by the company for campaign pur- purposes. Hmm? Illegal. If they were off the clock on their own time, that's fine. If they were off the clock and on union business... Illegal. We don't know yet. There's an appeal of the election before the uh, on this particular local to the Credentials Committee and the chairperson of the Credentials Committee walking with Sister Estrada. It seems to be, at best, conflict of interest. Be careful how these people are being paid because we're going to hold you to account. You just can't just pick up and do what the hell you want to we've We've called you out on this totalitarian mindset a number of times where you do anything to anybody at any time with impunity has ended okay so uh Jeff, do you have any thoughts on anything that I've covered tonight?
0: Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd be interested to hear what
1: our team has to say about it. Well, I've um, got to make a correction. That was the chair of the election committee, not the credential committee. Okay, I misspoke. Okay, okay that was the chair of the the election committee was walking with Cindy Estrada. So I want to correct that and make sure it's correct. So, but more is going to come okay. out on that, uh, in, uh, that. That's fine. We just want to cover the highlights here tonight. And probably be mm-hmm. some more detail next week or the week after. So uh but go ahead, Jeff. I sorry to interrupt you there. I, I had to make that correction that nice. just came to mind. Yeah.
0: Some very good points and I need to uh digest all of this. Um guess the u- unions have really destroyed themselves over the years. Um It's a shame. It's not what they were originally designed for. Um, They were formed years ago to protect the workers. And if we had guys like Eugene Debs, uh, Bill Haywood, and Mother Jones around today, I think they would be totally shocked about how things are being handled in this country anymore by all the unions. Just, I'm just really upset over the whole thing. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been for years.
1: That's why we do this show, Jeff. Yep. You, yep. There, we covered a lot of stuff on this show tonight. We might have saw, solved the temporary worker situation.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: we, we talked about, you know, that you know master agreements need to be protected. They're grandfathered yeah. in, in my knowledge. They're grandfathered in, and these are sacred, and they they need to be protected. And we keep watering them down with these actions taken by the international in the last sixty days.
0: The
1: last, you know, I mean, this came public in the last two and a half weeks, right? You know, I mean, uh, come on, you're supposed to be protecting the master agreement, not watering it down. We need to be bringing this stuff back in, not sending it out. You know, maybe if they didn't have so much dead peasants' insurance going into these insurance companies and buying life insurance, and then when the retiree dies, collecting it at the international, or I'm sorry, uh, at the uh, the corporate executive suite. I want to make sure that it's a corporate executive suite, not anything to do with the international. It's the corporate executive suite. Maybe if that. And it there'd be more money for us to have what we're supposed to have here, everything that we keep talking about you know people being killed and murdered on the job through gross negligent criminal culpable misconduct right you know so anyhow uh those are dangers where it's not mine. I just you know was he come in there and was talking about that on on the members' page, members of the u a w page, so I want to give him a little uh, kudos and some credit for uh bringing that out today but it's you know those are the things that are going on in the plan we talked about the the increase in injuries and why that is because the jobs are getting you know con- consolidated there's too many too many elements to the job it's beyond yes. you're just working i i you know i i got uh, a member that i talked to uh i don't want to get into who and what, this person, a little bit of history there, but uh, at Fort Wayne truck, and the jobs are just timed to the max. And that's when you start having these injuries, repetitive injuries. You're going to have somebody trying to do something too fast, do a little shortcut so they can get, you know, know, I mean, I've been on jobs where you didn't have time to wipe your sweat off your eyebrow. And just come down mm-hmm. into your eyes and burn, and you have to, you know, uh, deal with it, or the next day put a sweatband on it so that it didn't come down hit your eyes. Because you, once you have figured that out, you know it's just tough, tough work, and that shouldn't be that way. It needs to be fair. Fair days work for fair days pay and end this constant needing to harvest the workforce. Gotta stop. And we gotta start getting jobs back. These jobs need to be distributed a little more to more people. These corporations have been too greedy. Run by MBA's master administration acquire twenty percent every year. That's got to stop. It's just got to stop. Leadership needs to be critical thinking. Leadership needs to think of what's obvious and what's obscure. Need to have an element of historical perspective, institutional memory, as some people would call it. Somebody that is a deep, critical thinker. Walter Ruther was one of those people. We haven't had a critical thinker in our union in a very long time. We've had people out there figuring out ways to steal money. That's exactly what you saw last week. As far as I'm concerned, that's my opinion. Outright theft. To their own advantage. So... Having said that, okay, Jeff, do you have anything else on any subject? We'll wrap this up. We're getting along.
0: No, I don't,
1: Okay. I don't either. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you found value in this show, please tell a person or two about us. Uh, We're here trying to make a record of what's right for our union, what needs to be done. You need to start working on your delegates from your local union not to return the Ruther Caucus to leadership for many of the reasons that we've talked about in the last three shows and this show. So thank you for listening. Thanks to our listeners around the world, our listeners in Canada and in Mexico all of our brothers and sisters and non-union members in the United States who listen diligently, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a safe week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Good night, listeners. Good night, Jeff. Good night.